Welcome to a special edition of the Weekly Woodcast with Dennis and Michael Woodworth uh, with our Lumberjacks edition that we're going to do on a weekly basis to give you an opportunity to meet some of the coaches and players along the way throughout their 40-game schedule, which is typically 52 games. But this year, it's shortened to 40 to this wonderful virus we call COVID-19. But it doesn't stop the boys from playing and uh, making an impact in the MHL here in Atlantic Canada in the 2020-2021 season. This evening, we have the general manager and head coach of the team, Brogan Bailey, as well as Ozzie King from Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is a 20-year-old player, and Sam Brunton from Dryden, Ontario. So welcome to the show, boys. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. The fan base really has been pretty solid for a long time. It's been optimistic each year on how far we think the team can go. And generally, I was talking to your, your coach the other day about the team typically squeezes into the playoffs. Success is not always measured based on how well you do in the playoffs, especially with a team like we have this year. But it also doesn't mean that we don't have fantastic growth throughout the season because we have a lot of young guys on the team and you guys being two of the older players in the team showing and leading by example what a successful team does on a daily basis. Brogan, we've had a, a couple games in the last week, uh, a 5-3 loss on Friday night. And uh, last night was a 4 nothing loss to the Mariners in Yarmouth, which is always a tough game for the Lumberjacks. Actually, the Mariners are always a tough game for any team in the league. So let's just go over the, the last couple of games and the last week in general. Um, yeah, there's two tough losses. You never want to start out a season like that. But I'm all things considering, I think there's lots of positives we take out of the, 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 of course. Last, the last two yeah. games. Um, we, had, we had a few really, really good periods. Um, and I think uh, the third on Friday night let us down a little bit. Um, and then... I, I can't personally take a lot out of the loss uh, last night just because of um, just how the game played out um, from basically the midpoint of the game. I mean, we were down 2 nothing at that point. From the midpoint of the game, though, I think things went south for us just in terms of the officiating, and you never like to blame things on the officiating. Oh, but boy, it happens sometimes. But, uh, yeah, that was one of those games where, where – I don't think we can even accurately assess it from a coaching standpoint after, after, uh, after Ozzy got, uh, so after Ozzy got kicked out, but uh, yeah, I'll let you, he can, he can tell you that story. I mean, I, it's uh, just didn't think, I didn't think it was warranted. Oh, so I'm still seeing red. Really? I, I didn't, I didn't like the call. I'll be honest. Well, what happened Ozzy? Explain to the, the, the fan base of what actually happened from your perspective. I just remember it was in Yarmouth zone. And there was a pocket from the net and I was coming in like pretty fast and, uh, I, I kind of went to put it on net or, like, kind of drag it around the side of the goalie, maybe tuck it in. And I got, like, a stick caught around, like, my uh, waist. Right. And then I kept on going. It was the Yarmouth defender stick, and his stick hit the goalie. So it was kind of like a, a oh. clothesline. And I just went, like, right over his stick. And, of course, like, the goalie went down. And, like, I went into the net. But I got up, and he was saying, like, it was a, a penalty. And I thought we wanted the power play. And maybe it could have been a goalie interference call. But, like, I, he, at first he said I was going out of the game for a misconduct for that. And I was like, like how the, am I yeah. going out the game for that? And he said, that's another. Yeah. I mean, officiating is so difficult because the game is so fast. You know, Sam, when you, you obviously in being uh, one of the older guys in the team, when you're playing the game at that speed, officiating is a microsecond decision. 
And we do have replays somewhat, but in the MHL, they I don't know if they depend on replay. How much do they depend on replay? Zero percent. Yeah. So, I mean, when you have an official that's, I mean, and of course we have four on the ice, but still it goes at such a quick pace. Sometimes it's very difficult to make those decisions. And it's hard to have something in a game when it's two nothing score where you're trying to jam the net to get a, a goal so you can get yourself and cut it in half. And then all of a sudden you have that situation. Like, I hate getting on top of them, but like last night, like I wasn't even playing the third and I thought there was like a couple of hits that were pretty like, like not safe at all. Like, and, and like not the, those are the calls you just got to make kind of, let people know, like, that's not, you can't yeah. play like that. Absolutely. Sam, from your perspective, uh, you know, Brogan's talking about that 2 nothing lead that Yarmouth had. What do you think, you know, ran the pendulum into their favor? Was it that, that penalty itself or? Um, yeah, losing a good guy like Ozzy there kind of brings the team down, but that's just, we got to face adversity there. And we got enough good guys that we can come back and play there and just, Whatever the refs do, you can't really worry about it and just keep worrying about what you can do out there. So, Well, uh, Bill Belichick, we, we actually, when you walk into the house today before we come down to the studio, uh, Bill Belichick has that mentality. He's a head coach of the New England Patriots for the, well, the last, well, since 2000. So you're talking literally almost 20 years. And he always, the next man up mentality. Not always easy to do because talent's hard to replace. But uh, that's when somebody's got to step up on the bench and really... Um, Give a spark. You just need to get a spark in that game because that two nothing score, get one goal, all of a sudden things happen, right? So uh, let's just you know quickly before we get into more of the game and and what's coming up, Ozzy, why don't you tell people a little bit about your background? I mean, you're from Halifax, Nova Scotia, but where did you play, and what were your aspirations as a player? You know, um, coming into let's talk about major midget, and and then what some are some of your goals in regards to where you like to go. Um, well, I'm from Cow Bay, Nova Scotia, Rainbow Haven Beach. Like I yeah. kind of grew up just through a, up the street from that. And uh, I got into hockey early. My dad played hockey, played in uh, Hall Olympics in the queue there back right. in the, the 90s. And he got me into it. Uh, going into major midget, I didn't make major midget my first year. I, he was actually the assistant coach. We'll get a good chuckle about this. Wow. Him and Steve Kroll. I mean, I was like, I was small. I was a small kid. Like, I... I was getting my height now, but I was still like maybe a buck twenty, twenty five, dripping wet. So they sent me down to Midget Double A for the year, and uh, I thought about playing high school, but like, I mean, once you take the high school route, it's kind of hard to yeah back around. And it is something, but I decided to stay with it. They EP'd me for the year, and then uh, came back second year midget, had a good season, got drafted by Bay Camo, uh, Jakar. And then uh, I went up there. I, <laughs> I didn't like it at all, I'll be honest. Uh, my billets didn't even speak any English. That's <laughs> tough, isn't it? Yeah, I just felt like an alien out there. So uh, I decided to go back. I was thinking about going NCAA route. Uh, right. Went up yeah. to Carleton in the CCHL. And I just, uh, it's a lot of money, like, if you if you don't have it. Like, it's definitely, like, a good route to do. But it, it's a, you got to put some money in. It's like a, put some in, you get it. Well, U.S. colleges are just. Yeah. Are, are tough. If you don't, and it's tough to get scholarships because yeah. we're Canadians. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a di- different route. No yeah. question. A possible route, but different. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got picked up by Moncton. Played a year and a half in Moncton. And then uh, they kind of turned into a powerhouse in the second half last year. And they got like uh, Gabriel Forche, Benoit Olivier Grew, uh, all those guys. So uh, I got sent over to home, hometown Halifax. 
then I finished out the season there, and then uh, obviously COVID, all that, and then I uh, found myself playing in Bridgewater, and I love Bridgewater. My uh, I got family down here. Oh, good. Uh, grandfather's Jerry Swain. I know Jerry well. I know Jerry well. I, I, well. I want a steak tonight, Gampy, if you're hearing this. Absolutely. But, yeah, and that's, uh, that's my story, kind of. He's been bragging about you for years, man. Oh, my God. Trust uh, me, he's been bragging about you for years. like the queen driving around. His, his hand's always out oh, the window. Listen, he, he, listen, grandparents are, are proud of their kids, right? I mean, it's a big part of it that, you know, your, your parents sacrifice so much of their lives. And, you know, Sam, why don't you kind of talk about your parents and, and really what kind of influence they had for you as a player? I know they get up so many early mornings and take you to the rink and things like that. What, what comes to mind when... I mentioned something like that. Um, yeah, my dad's played a pretty big role in my hockey career and everything. He's kind of done everything for me. He's coached me throughout minor hockey, and he was there on the bench for midget. So, and going to every tournament with him and everything was kind of nice, and he pushed me. He's the one that really got me into the game of hockey. So, Now, I grew up with playing for my father in baseball. Mm-hmm. There's not a I, – I, you guys can kind of expand on this, but – probably some tough nights in your household in Dryden if you didn't play too well certain games, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Still, um, after every game, he wants to call me and just talk about the game. Good. And, like, every car ride home is just critiquing my game, asking me how it went, and just... The backseat car rides? Yeah. So, it's just kind they're, of... They're tough. great car rides when you do well. They're not so great when you don't do so well. But, uh, but without question, you definitely... Um, yeah, your, your your parents are a big part of it for sure. Yeah, for sure. He's um, there's a couple tournaments where we lost, and I'm just kind of, I get really down on myself when we lose. Right. And he knows now that if we lose or if I play bad, he's like, I will give him cold shoulder. I like won't say much to him, and he knows that I'm grumpy. So he's kind of getting to learn how I am now. So when we lose, he kind of just leaves me alone for a little couple of days. So well, that's part of coaching. You have to deal with different people on a, on, a, on a staff of, of players that you look at and say, how, and Brogan, you can lead into this, is that it's you, you're, you, one of the things being a coach is managing people, not just athletes. Yeah, I think um, you can't treat every player exactly the same, especially when it comes to um, trying to develop each individual um, hockey-wise and outside of the rink, like, like Sam mentioned. I mean, some guys – some guys, if they make a mistake right away, I mean, you're you're not going to be all over them, and most of the time they know it. Um, you're gonna you're gonna let that simmer with them, and maybe um, let maybe t- maybe talk to them post game, maybe talk to them post period. Um, there's different guys who who like feedback after every shift, positive, negative, indifferent. There's other guys that don't like feedback, and if if you give them just a little bit of maybe what they call constructive criticism, that'll get that'll cause them to get down on themselves and kind of have that positive feedback loop of just more and more bad plays. And so you just leave those players be and and, we, and obviously touch on, on things that you can improve at a different time point. But um, it takes a little while for for everybody to kind of figure out each other's personality. Absolutely. Um, and there's a growth period, especially when we have massive amount of turnover like this team had this year. Um, and so, it, it like, that's all just part of the process of, of – developing players and developing people and developing a good team for one year and then and then a good team year in year out because if you treat people right and you treat players right they'll want to come back and they'll tell their friends you know these guys down here are are 
are good at what they do. They're respectful and, and they turn out to actually make us all better hockey players and better people. So that's how you, that's how you want to perpetuate yourself and your organization when it comes to, well, when it comes to anything really, but especially hockey. You want to finish strong. You, you want to learn about yourselves along the way. So you've got a 40 game schedule to figure it out. So, so far with your preseason games and your regular season games, Who's the top dog that we have to knock off a shelf so far? What would be your opinion? Well, um, we've only played a couple of teams in the league so far, but uh, Yarmouth is definitely going to be good. Truro's going to be good. Uh, a couple teams up in northern New Brunswick are going to be good. But uh, I don't know. You guys got any opinions, Brogan? You probably got a better look at the league than I do. Uh, it's a long season. We saw, if, if you want to take last year, I think it's a pretty good example. I mean, you had the Jacks that came out of the great gate really, really strong. Right. Um, ended up being ranked in the top 20 in Canada fairly early in the season. Um, and then this, the back half was, was probably the mirror image of the, of the, of the first half. It was just, things didn't go well, yeah. went on a little bit of a skid. Um, so I think what, what you see, and even in a shortened game season, what you see before Christmas and what you see after Christmas is a completely different story. Um, there's a few teams, uh, like Ozzy said, I think Yarmouth will be strong. I think Tarot will be strong. Picto's got a good group of forwards. Um, Valley has a good group of forwards. So the, I know the Nova Scotia League is going to be is going to be tough. The, um, I think Summerside is going to end up playing in our division as well for the first half, just the way the configuration kind of the COVID, is, yeah. yeah, the COVID figuration yeah. is. Um, and, the, and they've got a, they've got good pieces that came back from last year on that team that, that was, that was ranked highly in, in the nation. So, um, the league is not going to be easy this year. Um, especially for a team that's, that's super young like us and has a high turnover rate. Um, when you get into season after season, you don't like the turnover as many players as we turned over this year because you want to keep that culture that you have moving through and not try to, um, I guess, kind of ins- try to have to instill that in guys year in, year out. You want the guys who are leaders like Ozzy and Sammy and, and Bear to be able to do that for you and just be like, this is how we do things here. Yeah, right? absolutely. And now we have to we have to kind of everybody's trying to find their way a little bit and that takes time it doesn't take anything but time and we have to let it play out and i i don't expect people to understand that or even be uh even be even be okay with it from a fan standpoint like they want to see good hockey and they want to see it now but that's the reality so i think we're going to have to deal with it but i think i think it's just part of the process and I think things will come along and I think they'll come along pretty quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm an optimistic guy, um, by nature. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just a matter of time before we, before you see those scores like that flipped around in the opposite direction. Well, in the stands, you have a lot of experts that have never played the game, right? And that's where a fan base I mean, obviously, a, a big part of the game is fans. If you look at what's going on in COVID in the world right now, you, you're playing in NFL stadiums with, you know, 10,000 people in it, or you're, play, you're playing Major League Baseball playoffs and you have 5,000 people in the stadium. It's tough. The NBA had nobody in it, right? So we've all had to learn from that, but we, we need a fan base that's loyal, 
and that understands the game and understands his players. And I can tell you from past history that uh, guys like we mentioned earlier in our first podcast together, Brogan, Mickey McDonald and Jeff Marchand and, uh, and players like that that have come through the system that really left behind an indelible mark on the organization. So I think the biggest thing is just lead by example. You know, just lead by example every day. Set an example, whether it's practice, whether it's work, whether it's school, if you're still in school, whatever the case may be, set an example, lead by example. And that's why I think, you know, we wanted you two guys here tonight in the first podcast is to kind of introduce our community to some of our guys that are our leaders and that lead by example. So this upcoming Friday night, we've got the Churl Bearcats coming to town. Sam, what what's the feel, the vibe on that game? And and what do you foresee uh, happening for the Jacks? Oh, well, they're looking for redemption, obviously, from the past weekend here. So, And I haven't really heard much about this team because this is my first year in this league, so right. I don't really know anything about it. But I've heard some stuff. They got some big defensemen or whatever, but I think we can match them pretty good. Like, we got good fast forwards and fast D-man, young, speedy teams. So I think we could really bring it to them and hopefully come out with a win. Certainly would would be something that any organization likes to build off of when you go start off in, in an 01 or an 02 slot that you just try to – that first win gives you a little bit of momentum and, and building the bricks along the way. So, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think, you know, once again, just understanding the process. The fan base needs to understand the process with this team. We talked about the first podcast about building a foundation of principles and putting them in place to enable the team to have success long-term. You know, the type of coach and general manager that you have understands that philosophy. And, you know, I'll say it right to his face, you know, it's about being a leader and setting an example. And I think you guys have seen that already. Um, so tell me what you like about the community so far, Ozzy. You know, your grandfather's lived here. I And, in fact, I think uh, John's your uncle, right? Yeah. I had John in the studio last week. So, to I mean, you visited Bridgewater, obviously, many times. What do you like about the community? I spent, like, summers up here uh, growing up. And, I mean, my grandfather's house right here, down the hill, my uh, uncle's house. And uh, it's just a small, nice little town. I mean, uh, growing up in Halifax, it's always got that rush to it. You always got things to do. Uh, I I live, like, 35 minutes away from Dartmouth, like, like 25 minutes. Uh, It's nice to be able to get in my car, drive across town, and... Four in two minutes, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad and uh yeah just a nice little tiny little town I like it, it. it's a community that's great to raise kids mm-hmm. it's a great community to retire in you know um some of a lot of our kids that graduate from high school obviously go to university or other places and then it seems like they migrate back here I've been fortunate enough to live here pretty much my whole life and have seen that happen on both scales. I will say, historically, the town of Bridgewater loves winners. No pressure, all right? Um, But winning isn't always on the scoreboard either. You win shift by shift, period by period, Mm -hmm. right? And you build those building blocks. Sam, you've come from, you know, Dryden, Ontario, which is the largest province in our country, what what was your mindset when you told when you were told you're going to Bridgewater, Nova Scotia? Oh uh, well, at first and be brutally honest, man. You right. Google it. I googled. <laughs> I love it. I googled South Shore, 
Nova Scotia. Okay. Population just to see what it's like because Dryden's only we're on the northwest side right. of Ontario, so we're close to Manitoba border. Right. So my hometown's only eight thousand people. So we're a small community like Bridgewater and Lunenburg kind of mm-hmm. together like that. Yeah. And you can get across town in six minutes, maybe. So I thought I was going to a place with a hundred thousand people, which is like Thunder Bay. But then Sonk. I heard yeah. <laughs> I heard I was coming to uh Bridgewater, which I didn't even look at the population, but I don't, what is it, like 4,000, 5,000 maybe? 8,500. 8,500. Yeah, okay, surrounding so area, you're looking at about 12,000. So it's pretty identical to Dryden. Right. So, but I was pretty excited to come out to the East Coast because right on the ocean and everything, you got the nice Atlantic air. We don't got that back home, so. Yeah. And just nice scenery and everything. You got the ocean to look at. It's pretty much the same as Ontario, though. Lots of trees and stuff, just Everybody's expecting me to eat uh, lots of seafood. Yeah, and I haven't had yeah, it yeah, since man. I came here. Oh, yeah. dude, come on. Guy, we no. got to take Uh-oh. you places, man. Riverside we got to take you some places. Bowl. Robbie Keeble owns the, the River Pub, so we'll take you down and give you a nice seafood meal for sure. For sure. It's, um, let's talk about your billets, because a big part of, of moving here is to be associated with a family, because you move in with a family, that opens their doors to you. So let's just talk about your billets a little bit, Ozzy. Well, I'm actually staying with my grandma. Yeah, I figured that. But uh, <laughs> I, I've been with billets before, and they're Talk awesome. about them, yeah. It's, it's like you get a second family. I had two little billet brothers when I was up in Moncton, uh, four and five. Oh, man, they're they're two little rascals. I love them. They're just always high-strung. Uh, you stay, you still stay in touch with them, obviously. I still stay in touch with them. I, I, I snap the mom, and they're sending me, like, pictures every day. I love it with the face filters and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. My dad was in the military, or my billet dad was in the military. Right. Was a mechanic, too. He took care of my car for, like, two years. Still does. Great guy. <laughs> Sam, what about yours? Oh, uh, yeah, my billets are great. This, They've, uh... My billet dad played in, where did he play, Woodstock? Who are your billets? Who are um, Andrew and Shauna Miller. I'm okay. living in Lunenburg. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's about a 25-minute drive. Yeah, it's and not too bad. They got three little kids, a eight-year-old girl and then four and two-year-old. So, two so you're old. the big brother. Yeah, yeah, they look at me as the big brother. And you're a superstar in the household because you're playing for the Lumberjacks. Yeah, they keep me busy, though. Like, But they're doing a good job of staying quiet in the morning when they go to school. Mom takes care of that and everything, but... When I'm up at upstairs and just eating for dinner, like they always want to play with me, and I I like playing with the kids and keep me active and everything. So like they're great, good energy. And Luna Briggs, hey, listen, buddy, you don't have to go to the River Pub, Rob. Sorry, yes, we will take you to the River Pub one time, but you live in Luna Brig, dude. All right, that is the that is the place for seafood, other than West Pub Nico or Shelburne, Luna Brig. There are restaurants in there that, uh, yeah, we'll take you out there for sure. For sure. So, Brogan, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about um, the team in general. Let's give the fan base an idea of some strengths and weaknesses so far, strengths of your team, and what we want to develop throughout the rest of the season. Um, well, basically, I'll tell you the same thing I tell the guys in the dressing room is I think the strength of our team is, like, we're, we're a very fast-paced group. Um think we skate really well we don't really I don't think we have anybody that's a poor skater um I would say Dougie's the slowest guy on the team but that's just because he's got little legs um so it's uh what's up Dougie (laughs) it's uh yeah Dougie's listening it's a it's a good group they're a fast group um we want to play 
and I personally like to play a really high-tempo brand of hockey um, where lots of guys get in the rush and, and things like that. It's a little bit more high-risk, so um, it, there is a chance that we get we get scored on more often than other teams, but I think that our D zone and our other systems lend themselves well to, to not giving up too many goals. Um, we've got two young goalies, um, both 18 years old, and usually that's not the route that people go in this league. Um, Yarmouth has two 20-year-olds in net. Yeah. Um, so it's – but with that said, I think both of our goalies um, are very, very good. I don't think – I don't think we're lacking in the talent category when it comes to our goaltending. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me how old they are. If they're good enough to play in this league, which they both are, and they're both good enough to in- excel in this league, I think they that it doesn't matter how old they are. Um, defense, we're, we're young again. Um, so there's there's work to be done there on, on how to play a junior style of game. You have to be tough in front of your own net. You have to make sure that you're – you're rubbing guys out and down low and stealing the puck and playing the body and, and making good outlet passes. So there's going to be a learning curve there. Um, but for the most part, we play really, really good style of hockey in terms of pace and in terms of... Well, that's entertaining too. Yeah, and and, and being able to, to counterattack well and being able to make sure that, you know, we're going to score goals eventually when 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 things start to get clicking here. And I think uh, our power play is going to end up being one of our strengths as we move forward here in the season. So I don't think we're going to score a lack of goals. And people may look at those two f- games and be like, oh, well, it's it's that's funny you say that. You scored three goals in two games, and I think you're minus six when you look at that, those two score lines. But uh, I I think if people look into that and think that's going to be indicative of the rest of the season, I, I'm not sure that that's accurate. The biggest thing I can tell you from you know, being involved with the organization in the past is being connected to the fan base. They want to know who you guys are. They, just not the, na- you know, the name on the back of your jersey. So one of the things is spending time in the community, spending time with the fans after the game, You know, the kids that want to come up and get a photograph with you guys. Um, it, it's important because every day you get an opportunity to build that loyalty in the organization's uh, fan base. And I know from practical experience that the kids thoroughly enjoy that part. So I would just encourage you guys to continue to, to do things like that. Well, just like your, your billets. I mean, how much you see that every day, Sammy. You see when you, when you probably come home, they're talking about the game, you know, all the time. So the fan base is they really want to stay connected with you guys. And it means a lot to, to the kids, especially. Yeah. I mean, well, well, growing up in Halifax, like uh, when I got a fist bump from like one of the moose heads when I was like eight, absolutely. Right. Of my month. So, like I always remember that, like giving them a high five. Like, they, they love it. They love it. Like we're, we're always warming up before and they got the free skate going on and the kids are all just buzzing around. It's just, yeah, they love it. man. Glass. And, and and those kids, Sam, and you can lead us, the kids bring their parents to the rink when they come watch the game. So it it, it brings loyalty into the organization and the fan base. So uh, th- those little kids, they, they really look up to you guys. Oh, yeah, they love us for sure. Like Just like he said, they're buzzing around the rink there and just banging on the glass. And just my billet kids, they just want to play hockey with me. Like I was playing hockey with them before I came here in the living room and stuff. And 
I don't know. I think they kind of just look up to us. So we kind of need to show them the way and kind of be a good role model to them. Yeah. And it's tough with this COVID situation. Yeah. I remember one of the things we did, which was really cool back in the day, and I don't think we can pull it off this year, is we, were, we actually played ball hockey in schools against the kids. We took the players. And we went to, you know, little elementary schools and we grabbed the, the hockey sticks in the, in the gym and the way we went, it was a lot of fun. It's just, this time, it's tough for you guys, so you got to get creative. Yeah. And, um, you know, show your appreciation at the rink especially because um, the other opportunities aren't as plentiful after the game, so definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's, like you said, this year is a huge challenge to try and be active in the community like we would like to be I mean it's just impossible to do some of the things that we would like to do in the current situation so it's it's tough in that way to not be able to engage with our fans in the way that we would like to um so it's and it's a challenge that I just hope disappears sooner rather than <laughs> amen later. amen it's that uh, you know but the, the the thing is is that the restrictions in the rink aren't too bad for the league got to spread it a little bit but we've got it you know an arena that's large enough that we can still put in you know four or five hundred people yeah right yeah no it's uh i think I, we end up being able to jam in around 600 yeah i mean that's that's, that's still uh, going to be a good that's still gonna and you're i was talking to sean about it our season tickets are actually doing really well this year yeah i think we're doing pretty well um in under the of, circumstances under the circumstances in terms of sales i mean i think people are just excited to get to the rink again and see some see some hockey no kidding uh, see anything man yeah yeah uh, i know we've and all so, lived it right it's just it's been uh it's been kind of something out of the twilight zone in terms of in terms of the experience for everybody over the past seven months um so to just be able to get out and have some semblance of normalcy is I th I'm really glad that we're able to provide that for people and I know it's I, a huge relief yeah and, and I and I told these guys I think I don't know if it was one of the first preseason games where it was just like listen there's there's gonna be things that we have to do that are a pain like they're like warming up outside or wearing masks at all times throughout the rink and during warm up and things like that. But ultimately we have to really count ourselves as lucky to be able to play at all. Mm. Um, when you look at things like what the OHL is going through right Absolutely. now and, and what, what that is going to look like if it, if it starts up at all and, and guys like um, that are playing us college, I mean, it's unlikely that they're going to have a season. So, I think we're lucky to be able to play this year. Well, I can tell you down in the Cuban Professional Baseball League where I help out down there with the, the professional team in Holguin and like no fans in the stadium, zero. I mean, you're talking crickets. When you walk in a baseball stadium and there's nobody there, all you hear is echo, mm. right? So to have five or 600 people in a rink is something to at least start from. Right, so we're fortunate enough that way, and like you guys, you know, said earlier, Ozzy, it's just to have, um, you know, the ability to to have something to go to because for for a few months here in Canada or everywhere, not just in Canada, everywhere, Sam, it was it was tough. Oh, yeah, three we months ago, oh, you go, you go. We were stuck in our houses for four or five months there. Talk about that. Like, yeah. what did you guys? What did you What did you go through? I mean, well, I mean, you were with your family, but like, talk about routine on a daily basis, getting ready to maybe play hockey. Well, yeah, I just 
since COVID hit, like right from the start, I was in my house for two months straight. Just no gym. No, like you gym, can't go to a gym, so you have anything. to figure it out at home if you can. Yeah, it was a brutal routine. Like, I would go to bed at 6 in the morning, and my dad's going to work, and I'm still awake, and I'm just like, <laughs> why Why am yeah. I going to bed? I like, I have a terrible sleep schedule, too. Yeah, I have nothing to get up for in the morning. Like, I'm going to wake up and do absolutely nothing. And then around August or whatever, there was, like, the gyms opened up, like, two weeks before hawk season. So it was hard to get trained in this year. But a lot of time spent at home, a lot of downtime, and just doing nothing. But I was lucky enough to work this year, this summer, to get out of the house and do stuff. So I wasn't totally stuck in my house, but just losing restrictions and stuff, not being able to train and go to the gym was kind of hard. Yeah, because, I mean, a big part of it, Ozzy, is, is training. I mean, you're training your body to get ready for a complete season. Yeah. Well, actually, right before, like, like literally seven days before, like, COVID, like, hit and our league was shut down, the queue, uh... I got a grade three shoulder separation. I needed surgery. Wow. And uh, I had it all scheduled, and, or not scheduled, but I was going to talk to the surgeon and stuff, and then all, like, general surgeries were canceled, like, non-emergent. So they kind of put me off. So I was kind of doing, like, all quarantine. I was doing my own, like, shoulder rehab kind of, and it's pretty good. I was working with a guy, Kenny Sprocklin from Montreal, and it's amazing. He just, like, I had a couple bands. He sent me all the videos and stuff, and shoulder feels like you're fortunate yeah really lucky yeah to find somebody out there that can specialize in that area to to get that you know recuperated he just so happened to move like two minutes away from my house my dad like ran out to him surfing out in the water wow he's like yeah i'm a shoulder specialist (laughs) (laughs) that's what you call magnetic thinking right you know being very fortunate yeah he works with like barzell and shit and like (laughs) he's like yeah like i got a little bit of extra time if you want i was like Sure. I love it. Let's talk about the dressing room. Your coach was in last week talking about how strong the dressing room was for his team last year. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say something. And I want what comes out your right away. First thing out of your mind. Okay. Who's the craziest in the dressing room? <laughs> craziest, most fun guy in the dressing room. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I like Spearsy so in the dressing room, man. Yeah. You always look over at Spearsy and you just got that friggin' shitty grin on his face, <laughs> laughing about something <laughs> stupid. Like, he's always laughing. and Yeah, and that's me. What about you, Brents? I don't know, probably just Hardy. Oh, just Hardy. Across the room and he just looks goofy. You're a dud, Hardy. <laughs> he's tall, lanky guy, so. Who's, who's the serious guy? Who's the one that... It seems like he it's all business all the time. He shows up, he's early, you know, and he just goes to work. It doesn't say much, but he's all business. Well, Bruns, you're pretty early. You're always, like, the first guy at the rink and stuff. But I think when it gets down to crunch time, Big Bear, he, uh, he knows how to tighten his mouth shut and put the work boots on. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's uh, when he gets in the zone. Yeah, Sam, I'm pretty early to the rink. I just hate being late. That's just yeah. Something I've always well, that's a great trait to have, man. Don't ever lose it. I don't know. I was here like ten minutes, just sitting outside, just because I just hate the thought of being late. But honestly, I'd say Spears gets pretty dialed in. Like he gets pretty intense. Like he snapped on me a little bit in the, on the bench yesterday, and I just had to like, I don't really get too intense or like snap too easy. So I just tried to calm down, just tap on him. Like man, you gotta just talk to me calmly. I want to get better, so. Who's the guy that, that always wants more ice time? 
I don't Say think, it. I don't think we figured out. Come on, man. It's really, Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's too early right now to really make a call for that. So. Yeah. Two games in. It's you don't get. There's not this one person always lobbying that he deserves more ice time all the time. I need more ice time. I need more ice time. I'm sure, like you see, lots of puppy dog guys on the bench. And yeah, but like you guys said, it's uh, it's a little early yet. Like everybody's still trying to figure out exactly where they where they slide in terms of where they are in the lineup. So it's, um, I think everybody's had. I think everybody's had some pretty equal opportunity, maybe uh, with yeah, the exception of. Basically, been rolling with the exception of that first power play unit. Um, yeah, I think I haven't had I haven't run into that yet of guys coming in and, oh, it, it, and begging come. for more. Oh, come. It's, only, <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Yeah, who's the ladies' man of the team? Not Bruns. <laughs> I'd, I'd say, I don't know. Ozzy? He's probably the best looking guy. Oh, yeah? No, come but, on. Yeah, come I mean, on. we're the girls. We're, He's got a girlfriend. Hey, listen, we have a, lo- so. a big fan base and a big part of hockey. Oh. Uh, listen, there's, there's a gal that's upstairs I that loved hockey players, right? I was one of them. She had two other, you know, the guys that she went with that were hockey players. So, girls magnetized to the rink, man. They, they love hockey players, so. Cold ice. I'd say just stories. Who's getting the most attention so far? Well, nobody right now. But <laughs> I'd say, uh, by the looks of it, or stories that I've heard, I'd say our goalie Ro- Jeremy Robar. Oh, still early to say that. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll wait till I see proof robes. Yeah. So, Probably any smart. any road trips so far? Did you have any road trips so far? Just to Yarmouth. So no New Brunswick road trips. No, so, far. so no New Brunswick road trips uh, until the new year. Until the new year. Yeah, January ten. So. We won't be crossing over into New Brunswick until okay. yeah, until that date. So right. we're not looking at. I think we only have two overnight trips this this season, um, and those are pushed just to make sure that minimize settles down. Yeah, absolutely. Before, which makes before, sense. Yeah, it's getting higher. Like you literally can't look like a week and a half into the future now. Like, I know. You don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah, Campbellton just had their uh, season opener just pushed back another week. Uh, to kind of give the situation there a little bit more yeah. time to stabilize and things. So we're very fortunate to be where we are yeah. in the world. Yep, sure. I mean, yep. it took me five months to get home, right? Mm. Six different flights I booked. And I finally, the government actually booked a flight from Holguin to Montreal, Montreal, Toronto, Toronto to Halifax. I had to quarantine, isolate in Barrington for two weeks. I didn't want to be in Bridgewater because I, I I didn't want people to freak out if they saw me, mm. right? So I said, I'll go somewhere where they don't know who I am or you know what I do, and then, then I'll come back after isolation. But it, it is it's tough. I mean, the logistics for your coaching staff alone to keep you guys in a, a routine on top of keeping you safe too, right, is, uh, is a challenge. I, we don't all want to go through that because we want to focus on just a task at hand, but it's something that definitely, if you have strong leadership, it certainly helps. Yeah, I mean, we have protocols that we have to follow um, that are that are stipulated by Hockey Nova Scotia. Um, and then above and beyond that, uh, each arena has different protocols when you enter in terms of warm-up. Like I said, with these guys, some places you have to warm up with your mask on. You're only allowed in the dressing room area. Um, and if you're outside at all, you have to wear a mask. You're, like, we don't, they don't want us intermingling with the fans. So most of the arenas have an ice level and then uh, kind of uh, a fan area. And so they don't want those to kind of 
no cross contamination between mm-hmm. those those sets of people. So, I mean, it's for the most part, it's it's not normal, but it's becoming more and more normal. We're just getting used to that process, and so just keeping on things. I mean, we take these guys' temperatures every time they come into the rink or every time they're on the bus. Um, so any elevated temperature or symptoms, um, they're just asked to go home and kind of self-monitor for a period of time that they can either get a test or uh, the symptoms go away or the temperature drops. Um, so, I mean, we're, I think we've had a couple guys give 811 a call just to make sure that things were, things were all above board. But, I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's been been good we haven't had any real scares or anything like that so um and i think if we continue to do the protocols and follow them as they've been set before us we should be fine what's your what's your schedule for the week ozzy what what do you guys normally do on a a weekly basis how many practices what do you do on your own and how many games do you guys normally play on average um we practice monday tuesday wednesday thursday we get a practice early morning or uh, workout early morning Monday and then we usually have two games on the weekend but uh so you're on the ice yeah we're on pretty the much ice every day, every day yeah. yeah it's good <clears throat> off Sundays yeah a lot of downtime just yeah. after practice go home you hang out with the guys or whatever just chill Fortnite. yeah chill okay so big brother Woodworth here is going to give you some advice instead of Fortnite all the time put some knowledge in your head study for some successful players that have played the game that you're wanting to play at the highest level and learn from them, their habits, the things that they did along the way that you could possibly duplicate. And that'll give you a better opportunity. Your grandfather is a great example of hip I'm sure he's given you some advice along the way, but the bottom line is that you can't be successful without modeling and studying successful people. Yeah. I watched Sid Crosby's 39 rookie goals this morning. There you, there you go. I, um, when I first got here, I was in, I had to quarantine for two weeks. Right. So before I left, I told my dad he's got a lot of hockey books. So I got, I took, I think it was a Wendell Clark book. I took, yeah. And I as one tough hockey that. player. Yeah, I was reading <laughs> that throughout quarantine. Still not finished, but sometimes in my downtime or like after bus trips, because I take a while to get wind down after bus rides. Right. So I'll read a little bit to. Calm myself down. You guys just watch the Mike Babcock or watch. You guys read the Mike Babcock book? I haven't. Tell me about it. What? What's? It's just like well, he's like one of the best coaches of all time, maybe, right? Well, Supposedly, it, it, like, it oh. is. I mean, it's it's. There's a, a lot of conversation out there about he's been a, associated with, with, with a lot of successful with the teams. Leadership, like point of view, like he's very knowledgeable on like the leadership, and that's what his book's all about. Like what what builds a good leader, or whatever. And that's it was a good Commodore read. about him. Yeah, dude, he says. <laughs> oh, yeah, Commodore I, hates his guts. Here's the thing about a leader. You're always going to face arrows in your back. Because leaders take a lot of criticism. Because you're in a position where you can gain credit and criticism at the same time. It's a fine line. So your coaching staff, for an example, had an incredible season last year. They come into this season, uh, people have expectations without having a real knowledge of what it takes to build a successful organization. And it's one of the things we want to do in these podcasts throughout the whole season is to give the fan base the sponsors, the people that are associated with this team, the realistic idea of what it takes. So uh, we you can expand on that as broken as well. Cause. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I touched on it a little bit when we talked the 
first time and it was for uh, for me to come in here and tell everybody that we're going to be wildly successful right off the bat would be irresponsible and uh, and I'm not prepared to to make wild claims about where we're going to finish in the league or anything like that because I think it's just it would just be me. Blowing. Well, you'd face a lot of criticism, criticism I, right? I just yeah, just you blowing, would. I'd be blowing hot air. Yeah, you, um, you'd overpromise and underdeliver, and that's not what you want to do as a leader of an organization. Yeah, I'd I'd rather do the opposite. Um, but and so, I mean. Ultimately, like we talked about, um, is my goal is to move these guys on. Um, and if we do that and we have enough players in the organization that are good enough to move to the next level, the winning is going to take care of itself. Um, like we have guys this year who like Ozzy and like Bear who are going to play at the next level. Um, and we have, I mean, we have a lot of young guys that are aspiring to also do that um so as we get further in the season and as these guys get used to me which obviously takes a little while it does um i think our performances will get better and better and these guys will see the results in their own games that kind of encourage them to say yeah 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 i'm i'm gonna be i'm, I'm not only gonna be good in this like i'm gonna be good in the league that i play in after right. this um so i'm yeah I, like i put I can take what I want to from those two losses and be and and take what I can to make sure that each individual guy improves and 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 the team improves. Like these guys have video of each of their shifts from the past two nights. That's great. Um, I love that. That'll be on their phone. So that's if you guys are bored, you can watch that. Um, bored. And that's, and, that's required. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so like things like that. Like I, yeah, if, I don't want to make promises. Um, we're definitely going to be a better season, a better team at the end of the season than we are. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, if there's one promise I can make, that's a promise I'll make. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be a better hockey team. We'll be a good product. And that's all I think anybody in the fan base can ask for is that the guys put the work in the time in the effort in, we we all compete for the same title, right? That's the thing. Only one team gets to win it. So, the thing about having a product on the ice we talked about earlier is just being able to provide that product in our communities across Atlantic Canada. Let's talk about your interests. Um, favorite hockey team in the NHL? The Penguins. You're a Penguins guy. Colorado. You're a Colorado Avalanche guy. All right, so who's your favorite player? Sid. Sid? McKinnon. Yeah. Oh, two Nova Scotian boys. Mm. I like that. Um what makes you consider them your favorite player? Well, I mean, I grew up just outside Cole Harbor, and right. like in Sid prime time, so I, I didn't really have a choice. But yes, I mean, you did. <laughs> no, no. Yes, you did. I'm not a Marshy guy either. I love Marshy, <laughs> but like we aren't similar type. He's too way too aggressive for my play mm. style. But I mean, Sid, like he's just as good defensively as he is offensively. Mm, valid and, uh, point. That's that's part of the game now these days, right? If, if you you got a guy who can tear up the offensive zone, but if he's hanging out by the red cherry picking, like, you're going to get scored on. It's a skill-based game, too, now. You don't have those goons that are out there just dragging the game and slowing it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be disrespectful, because it was a part of the game for a long time, but the game is such a skill-based game now that if you can't skate and you can't think, you're in trouble. Yeah. Right? And, and Nate McKinnon is one of those players. Yeah, he's... He, I like his story, kind of. He was under the shadow of Sid. It's a tough, uh, from the tough shadow. Town. Went the same path as him and everything. 
but just seeing from his rookie season to where he is now, like when he first came in the league, he everybody was like, oh, he's kind of a bust for going first overall. And now the past four seasons, he's been in the MVP talks every, every year. And he's arguably a top three, top two player right now. Some people have different opinions, but I'd put him at number two behind McDavid. But just seeing him on the ice, he's just so explosive and like, you never know what he's gonna do, and like he just makes people look silly out there. So I really want to watch him live, but I don't know if I'll get to watch him live when he's in his prime now with COVID. And he's got to be the most dynamic player in the league. Like every time he's out there, like something's yeah. happening. I mean, and you you mentioned two players that put a lot of work into the game before the game's broken. Like these guys have an incredible work ethic. They train incredibly hard and push each other. Because they work out with each other. Yeah, yeah. I got to watch um, Sid work out a couple times. Um, once on ice, once off ice. Um, and both times you just came away and you were like, holy smokes. Like, Jaw dropping. It's, uh, I tell the story of when I watched him on ice. Um, it was, I watched the full session. They did like a, a full practice session. And then after, um, I'm pretty sure it was Eric Nielsen was on the ice with them. Um, and Sid would, Sid, but they said they had a like conversation and Nielsen was set up at the top of the circles. Um, I guess it would be in the far end of the rink and Sid would skate up the wall, cut across the blue line and Nielsen would just wire terrible passes at him. Like the worst passes ever. Like some would be leg high, some would be pants like, and he would either knock him down with his yeah. stick, knock him down with his skate, go around, put one hand behind his back and knock him through his feet. Or something, and then go in wide and just take a shot on the goal. But he was just working on just things that happen like, in the game. Things that happen in the game, and other and things that are so beyond other guys. <laughs> Absolutely. When, when they when they think, oh, well, I have six minutes of extra ice, or I have fifteen minutes of extra ice. What, what do I do? What am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going to do? And so that's that's where his head was at, and I'm sure that came from something that he did or a situation that he was in in the previous season or the previous year where he was like, wow, this was a pass I missed. I'm not going to miss that. I'm one not going to miss that. I, I remember one of the things I, I, I watched and learned about with him was his one-timer at top shelf, close to the net. He was practicing to get that puck above the goaltender, and he did it, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of times to do it right. Guys like Kobe Bryant in the NBA – come to mind with work ethic you have talent and then you combine that talent with relentless work ethic and that's something that every player can learn from and study from and that's why i think watching good documentaries on the on youtube last dance last dance was a good documentary um jordan's ultra competitive what was scotty pippen like why did dennis rodney come on the team you know you just learn about what makes a successful organization and how challenging it is behind the scenes so what you see on the ice or on the court or on the field is only a part of the story. It's the result, actually, of the story. Yeah. And it's not always easy. So it's like when you have a, a group like this, This I try to tell my guys, and I'm a baseball guy, obviously, and I try to tell my guys, your, your life is like a book. Every year is a chapter. Is your chapter and your book worth reading? Right? No one's going to read your book saying, I, I was playing Fortnite every night. Right? <laughs> so... So Ozzy, no problem. Come on. You, you can play some Fortnite, no problem, man. But we're gonna we're gonna me. monitor some of that Don't shit, take that right? Away from me. But the bottom line is, is that how do you use your time? Right. How does that 
translate into a result in life. And there's a phrase I use in business and in sport. It's you become what you think about. What do you want to become? And when you decide what you want to become, then you model other people that are successful in that area. That's the result of high performance. Just being a player, we got lots of those. It's when you stand out and why you stand out. And it's usually the intangibles rather than just the talent alone. Anybody, you remember, do you know what the quote on the room is? Above the above the lockers? Can either of you tell uh, me what it is? That's let important. Your talent take you where your character can't. No, it's like the that. Latin right above your desk. Oh, no, that one's in, that one's in my office. Oh, that yeah. one is what I'm I talking I don't know about. it word for word yet. It's pretty close. But so something about a, talent a, taking yeah. you where your character can't. Right, so there's a quote in the locker room above the stalls, and I'll talk about King of the one you're talking about after. So there's a quote in the locker room above the stalls that says, don't let your talent take you someplace that your character can't keep you. Exactly. Um, and the quote in the coach's office is facta non verba, which is Latin for actions, not words. The... A lot of people say what they're going to do in life. Very few people back it up. And I respect actions, not words. The last thing I want to do is have someone look at me and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then they don't do it. Hmm. Right? I mean, Sam, you think about that. If you're, you get together as a group, um, and some of your players say, oh, I'll do this and I'll do that, and all of a sudden they're not doing it. That's a call out, Right. It's, it's about action, and, and as a group, your leadership, and you guys are the older guys in the group, you know, you have to force that accountability because that, that translates into result in, on the ice and in life. And so let's talk about life. We, we all aspire. We want to play at the highest level in sport. But what are some of your interests outside of sports? Um, and don't say Fortnite. Oh, no. You can make a lot of money off <laughs> that. I wouldn't dare to say that word again. <laughs> Or if, if Fortnite sponsors the podcast, we'll we'll say it more. But if not, we'll say it less. Um. Well, I'm a I'm pretty down to earth guy. I'm taking a commerce degree right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had some interest in criminology, but uh, I got to my grandfather was in the RCMP. Yeah, he was an RCMP officer for a long time. They kind of said, just stay, steer clear a little bit. Like they they don't want me getting into that. They said it's just like not a. They don't love it. So it's a tough profession yeah, right now. Yeah, it's a very it's, delicate profession to be is, in. Yeah. Compared to 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago when your grandfather was there, mm-hmm. it's a whole different dynamic. So, yeah, it might be some good advice. What else? What other interests do you have? Uh, well, I love being outside. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, well, it's a great province to be out, yeah, outdoors oh, yeah, with. Yeah. I'm a surfer, so uh, I haven't really been doing a lot the last couple of years, but uh, since quarantine, I've really gotten into it. Just because I was tired of being inside for, like, 18 hours a day. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, and, uh, th- yeah, that's about it. Like, I, I just love living life, really. Like, I, I love my close friends, family. I love, uh, I'm not a big social guy, really. I, I but have you, my your family's group. a big family. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're a big family. Team, right? Sam? Uh, well, in high school, I wanted to do sports management, get into like managing sports teams after not easy to do. No, that's uh, <laughs> after a couple of years. So nowadays I'm kind of thinking like how lucky will I get to be like a professional manager of a sports team? Cause that's Absolutely. just the percentage of getting that is just pretty much the exact same of making it to the pros. So I've had a tough summer this year with my anxiety and everything. Mm-hmm. And I had to do therapy 
So after this summer, I kind of want to get, I'm thinking about getting into something like that for a career just because helping people out with something that I went through. I don't want anybody else to go through that. So Yeah, it's, it's not easy. It, just talk about a little bit what you went through and, and, and how you come out on the other end. Um, Yeah, well, I kind of just, uh, with COVID and everything, quarantining, right. just being alone the whole time, mm-hmm. just kind of not knowing, like, when. That's kind of where my anxiety creeps yeah, in. Yeah, buddy, I, I know answers. exactly where you're coming from. I was isolated so, for 12 weeks in Cuba by myself. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... This past summer, it's been with me since I was probably about eight years old, but I've never really opened up to it about until this summer because just seeing all the professional athletes coming out with it now and saying they have it and just... It's real. There's a there's talk about it now. So now I'm more open about it and I'll tell people about it and I'm not Good. scared to talk about it anymore because back in the day I wouldn't tell anybody because criticism and everything, everybody thinks, oh, it's not real, like stop being scared or whatever. So I think society in general has learned more about being honest with yourself in situations that challenge you especially mentally and intellectually you provide a lot of physical pressure on your body when you're training to be an athlete or even just go to the gym to stay in shape but the intellectual part of it has really evolved and broken you can expand on this as the amount of work and i know as a high performance coach that you work on the mental side of the game Versus just the physical, which we talked about in an earlier podcast. The older coaches was just drill sergeants, and you just put the time on the ice and forget about the rest, right? You're just a baby. You're you're a pussy. You're you know just you come here and do the job like everybody else does. But I think you know what Sam's leading to is that managing people and understanding their situations is dramatically different today. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a huge part of the game, and I actually. Um, my undergrad degree is in kinesiology, um, and I actually came back to Dow and I took a master's in performance psychology. Love it. Um, so that's that's within the kinesiology realm, but it's it was specific, specifically um, in sport um, is what we looked at. Um, and so I have a lot of respect for that aspect of sport. Of course. Um, and I have a lot of respect for how nuanced it is um, for each individual athlete. So, um, to paint all of my players or all of hockey players with one brush, it's not reasonable. No, exactly. It's not reasonable. So each, each guy, each guy has their own battles and each guy has their own difficulties with the game. And then each guy has their own successes and you have to be respectful of all of those things. And what was the phrase we used last week on our last podcast? Jeez, we used a lot. We did, but people don't, no, well, people don't know how much, uh, how much, or people don't know. Oh, people don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. That's right. That's right. right? Oh, that's a word. You yeah. know, and, and you yeah. do, you have to, you have to genuinely care about people. And then you have to have the skill base, the education behind it, because you have to have some professional knowledge on how to deal with people. And, and that's what I was saying to Sam earlier about books. You can study success. Uh, there's a guy I, I mentioned in one of the podcasts earlier. His name is Robert Kiyosaki. He wrote the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he gives you examples of, of choices in life and why this choice makes more sense. So when you read from successful people and you take notes, we were talking about this, and I think it's something, excuse me, that your team should really incorporate, and I think Brogan's going to do is, is really read books, and then, but don't just read them, study them. So you find a successful individual that can help your team grow, intellectually, 
which transfers into the on-ice product, whether it's work ethic, whether it's just uh, the way you think on a daily basis. And then you highlight those topics in the book that you find that are important. And then if you get together as a group, you all take the same book and you sit down and talk about it, right? It's something I think would translate into guys understanding the process, especially when it comes to high performance. I have I have your first book. Actually, <laughs> I love it. The Hunger Games, Catching Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving one you probably already read. <laughs> I'm just gonna watch the movie. Um, so the first book that I that I would want you guys to read would be Legacy. Um, it's about the New Zealand All Blacks and how they run the. I love it. Um, yeah, the hawk is involved in there and stuff. I don't know if you, maybe we'll learn it. And, uh, we can do it in the dressing room before the game. Do it on the ice? Oh, well, that's up to you. You're, oh, no. You're no, the no, co-captain. No. You can make that call. <laughs> um, but uh, there's some really, really good stuff in there. Um, and just so you guys know, I, uh, I'm i not a huge guy. Like, I don't like reading. So no, I listen, me neither. I listen to all the books on tape. That's my that's my hat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's not like I don't sit down with a book every night. I mean, I do usually have one on the go. Um, That's a lie. But I listen. I have one. I have one book. What was the last book you read? The last book I read. Yeah. I'm right now. I'm reading paperback flow. Oh, okay. Which is a listening. No, no. I'm actually reading, reading that one. Uh, the one I just listened to. I just finished listening to uh, Berkey's Law. The one with Brian Burke's book. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I've actually heard about that. I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, that one's good. That's good. All right, well, I called you out, and you were right. Yeah. <laughs> right we, you take 30 minutes a day, which is not a lot of time, right? And then you take 30 days a month on average. Some days are, some months are shorter, some are longer, but if you take 30, it's 900 minutes a month times eight months, you have 7,200 minutes. How do you spend your 7,200 minutes? How much can you learn in 7,200 minutes? And then you, bu- then you take that 7,200 minutes times 10 years of your life, right? That's 72,000 minutes, right? Where are you 10 years from now? That's the difference, gentlemen. That's what high-performance thinkers do. They do what the average person doesn't. And that translates into for the rest of your life. So it's not about, it's not about just doing it a small portion of your life it's about incorporating it into your life and that's what your coach is trying to say to you is that i encourage you and i know he will too and and i'm going to talk to brogan a lot this year because he's going to be on the podcast a lot and and we're going to we're going to talk about the books that you guys and if you and you'll be able to see the guys that are faking it right when you see the guys on your team and if your co-captains on the team and all that kind of stuff and your leaders on the team you get there early sam take the book with you man if you're at the rink 30 minutes early, have the book in your hand. Have it on your phone. You can download it to your phone and read it and show your teammates that you're at. that investment that you're making is going to translate into you thinking differently, which actually allows you to produce a better result on and off the ice. Yeah, you got a 20 – well, you live like two seconds from my house. You get a 23-minute Absolutely. Drive. You get a 23-minute Every day. Drink. Just listen to it on the Tunk- way to the rink. I usually put on podcasts on the way, like Spin Chicklets or Joe yeah. Rogan we were talking about. I love Joe Rogan's podcast. I listen to it almost every day, but the bottom line is, is that if you have a choice between Joe Rogan's podcast, and I know, poor Joe, I'm, I apologize, but I'm trying to give guys good advice I think you'll agree with, is that if you have 23 minutes in learning something that you've never learned before or just hearing opinions of certain things like 
the aliens in Area 51 or, you know, the legalization of weed or Jesse Ventura's conspiracy theories. Like, I, I know Joe Rogan's podcast, keto diets and, and you know, all the in-depth things that he goes through. And he is the number one podcast guy in the world, period. But I think that time, if you only had a choice between one or the other, I think I know what your coach would say. You know, and that's put something in your head that will stay with you, you know, that you'll carry throughout the rest of your life. And it'll track you to the right kind of people. It really will. I listen to the Area 51, too. Yeah, man. I listen to <laughs> Joe all the time. I'm like a true crime guy. And Bob Lazar. Are you? Did you do yeah. the Bob Lazar one on Netflix? Yeah, Bob Lazar. That was like, that was off that the one? charts. No. Oh, Recommend? Yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. listen. He, he, he worked in Area 51 on technology that, that we could not explain here. We could was, not explain. It's weird. It's on it Netflix? is. It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's on Netflix. It's, I love it. Okay, well, I'm yeah, going to Bob Lazar. It, it is, um, it's, what's, Bob Lazar is bizarre. <laughs> you know, it's just, but it, it's, there's just things on this planet you can't explain. And I don't think you'll ever be able to figure them all out. But I do know one thing, building yourself as a person through a foundational principle will give you a better chance to compete at any level, not just at sport. Not everyone makes the NHL. Not everyone becomes a general manager of a hockey team, uh, whether it's professional, or semi-pro, whatever the case may be. You have to take those skill sets into life and then carry them with you so that you get better opportunities employment or self-employment-wise, right? Mm. It just makes a better brand of you. It may help you find a you know, better girl, you know, who's well-read as well, you know? And th- you think the typical hockey guy, what? Right? Well, there's not many books in there, right? All of a sudden, you start spewing off a few of those books, and they're like, hey, you know, that's pretty impressive. That's that's impressive, Ozzy, man, that you're quoting those books. So, yeah, I think it's 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 important. And it's a, if you create a habit like that, I, I think you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give you books that are – I'm not going to make you read Ulysses or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I'm going to make sure next time I run into you, I'm just – coincidentally carrying a book i, I love it man <laughs> and, i might and, not be reading and, it and it listen, might be a fresh book but i'm gonna be nothing wrong with that. that the the thing is is that it also on social media with your guys right you can you can discuss certain things that you're learning and modeling reading about people that are successful in your field too really helps mm-hmm. like big time it's it's like going to a place you've never been before but then you can read from somebody else that tells you how the journey goes might not be exact same way, but they'll give you some, if you get one nugget from a book, you're, you're, you're better off. You could read 300 pages. You get one idea. You're better off. That's the bottom line. How many nuggets do you get over those 7,200 minutes a year? And that's only out of eight months of the year. You have four months off. So I'm giving you the summer off. No reading in the summer. I like that. You right. Absolutely. So what, let's talk about goals. What are some of the organ? I'm gonna I'll go to the, you first, and then I want the guys to talk about what are some of your goals this year for the team. Um, I mean, tangible and intangible. Yeah, so so intangible. Well, tangible really is to move guys on to the next level. I mean, right. we've we've talked about that with with all of our 20 year olds and mo- all of our guys, and basically asked them what their individual goals are. Um, so the, the, for us, the more guys we can have reach their individual goals, the more successful we are as an organization, I think at that, like that's the top of the pyramid. Um, 
and and that's the way I think I'm, I'll measure success. I think if we have successful people and successful players, we'll end up being a success, successful franchise. Um, in terms of the organization, I mean, we'd we'd obvi- I'd obviously lo- I mean I'd love to go deep in the playoffs. I mean, I even just the way the playoffs formatted this year, if we get through those first that first round and into the second round, and and that's the way that. I foresee that our season going. I think because the way it works is we have those three. We have three mini div or we have three team divisions. Right. So and one division is us, Yarmouth and Valley. Um, so the bottom two teams will play off. The first team will get a bye in that first playoff series. So that first. So whether if we finish first and then Yarmouth and Valley will play off and we get a bye, or if Yarmouth finishes first, us and Valley will play off and and they'll wait for the winner of that series. Um, so I'd really like to be successful in our own mini division um, in the playoffs. So win those first two playoff series. Um, and I don't think that's an, I don't think that's a goal that's not realistic. Um, I do think we have a, a good group and I think we're, I think this yeah, we're just going to keep getting better and better. Ozzy. Yeah, we're definitely young, but uh, let's talk about your own personal goals, my own personal your goals? own personal goals. Like obviously, uh, every guy wants points. I'd I'd like to be up in top of the league, like in the standings or whatever for guys with the most points. Right. But, uh, then again, like uh, Brogan did make me a co-captain of the team this year, and uh, I've been a leader before. And in Major Midget, we won provincials or whatever. And uh, I do kind of just like the task of uh, like Frig. I'm I look at the forms, like the MHL forms. I see what everyone says. I hear what everyone like. No one thinks we're gonna do shit this year, and whatever like i i love being the underdog and i kind of see that that is how we are this year we're going to be young we're going to be getting better going into christmas and mm-hmm. man like it's just when everyone buys in the same page like and hard work is there like you never know what happens i'd love to freaking my personal goal for the season is to like help our team go as far as we can go kind of like i, I want to win okay. last junior year you're yeah. motivated that. yeah 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 good sam um my biggest goal this year, I got a couple, but my biggest one right now is trying to get back to the confidence I had was it two years ago, my last year midget. Okay. So just working on my mental game and just going out there and having fun. And then second one, just with our young team and everybody, because obviously I want to win too. Like there's nothing better than winning. Super fun. You can be loud on the bus instead of listening to sad songs. So... <laughs> Just trying to a little Elton John yeah. in the headphones. Yeah, just trying to get everybody to buy in to do something to win. Like, do what's gonna make. Like, don't worry about your own results. Like, do what's gonna help the team win. And like, whatever, whatever is best. Like, if you gotta block a shot to win a game, like, eat that puck. And like, I love it. Be there for your teammates. Like, have their back. Cause like, we had a couple dirty plays last night, and. Some guys aren't stepping up or standing up for our players, so we'll keep keep getting run around. But people need to hop in and like have their teammates back because once your p- teammates know that you have their back, your team's gonna go a long way. They'll go to what well, we talked about the wall, right, Brogan? Yeah. They'll go through the wall for you then. Yeah. When they know that they ge- they're genuinely cared about, people will do more. They'll they'll go through the wall. Your brain says. If you're training in a, in a gym or you're skating on the ice, 
and the coach is pushing you as hard as you can and he sees, I always tell guys, you have 30% more effort in your body, but you don't have it in your brain because your brain convinces you to avoid pain. If you overcome that, your body can actually absorb so much more pain. And if you take that, that's where the greatest growth is. Mm-hmm. Is, sure. is overriding your brain's threshold there, there of a, saying there's stop. There's like a different switch. You can, it comes Absolutely. on sometimes. Uh, it's different for every guy. Like for me, it's always, uh, I, I'm like a late game guy. Like uh, when the pressure's on or whatever, right. that's where like, I don't know what it is. I've always just had like that natural like, luck almost like when the game's like close like i'll just be sitting on the side of the net and puckle bounce off the board and then go to the side and i'll like tap it in or something like that's like i don't know where i'm going with this well kinger the thing is that you think it's lucky but you actually position yourself in a place yeah, to create no. that luck yeah you and may not even know it it's the same with like what brunt said like blocking shots and stuff like uh, i love that i love that like blocking a shot and uh i, I don't like to glove over the face or anything no. like take uh, that puck to the mouth yeah like, <laughs> you're gonna get hit man you're wearing yeah. a visor Such an adrenaline that's rush. one of the first things one of my first junior camps i was in brooks alberta so they just came fresh off national championship and it was main camp so i'm trying to make the team and we we're in practice and i went down to block a shot and I put my mouth or my hand your glove over, my over mouth, your mouth, yeah. And the coach said, Don't ever do that again. Eat that puck if you have to. There's dentists for a reason. Yeah, that's true. Take that puck to the mouth because you're going to go nowhere if you're covering up your mouth like that. Well, hockey players are tough. Yeah. I mean, we're, especially in our country. There's other countries that don't have tough hockey players, Russia, but Russia. what we what we do. I mean, we just breed it. Like, if you go back in time, there's a guy right over there, right over broken shoulder, Dougie Gilmore. The guy had no front teeth, right? You know, there's a lot of hockey players from the 70s, 80s. Well, even you go back to the 50s, there was goaltenders that didn't wear masks, guys. Johnny Bauer played hockey. Jock Plant was the first guy to ever wear a goalie mask. They got hit in the face so many times you would not. They're goaltenders. They're sprawling out in the ice and the puck's coming at their face and they took it in the face. More times than you, ever, you could ever imagine. Yeah, so, it's like Freddy Krueger. I've seen the pictures of their face. It's just scars everywhere. Ha- hockey players are tough people. They're, they're bred to be tough. And now, Sam, having said that, there's a lot of growth that we can have through acknowledging that it's not all about being tough all the time. Yeah. The on-ice tough, toughness may be important, but there's other issues that we need to face in the game that – that helps people relate to other individuals. Yep. So, I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great challenge. I'm looking forward to it. You know, Brogan and I talked about the mountain last week about, you know, this is, you climb that mountain and then you get to the top of the mountain and then all of a sudden there's another mountain right beyond it. Right. But I, al- I always say too, is that give a hundred percent because what, why can't you? What's holding you back from being the best version of you? It's usually yourself. It's usually yourself. Your limiter. You have that little, you, know, you have two voices in your head. It's the voice of logic and the voice of illogical thoughts. You got to stay on that logical path and listen to that first voice. Get up early. Go for that run. Go to the gym. Set an example. Go through the wall. Listen to your coach. Follow his example. You followed that pattern, then the Kobe Bryant's of the world, 
That's why we admire them so much. They're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But we're in a business. Brogan said it. This this business is not easy. Like the, For him to be the general manager of this hockey club and the head coach, not an easy task. So leaders like you guys make his job easier because you can make the guys more accountable and follow his example because he's got a lot of responsibility. And why don't you share some of that, Brogan? I mean, it's just the task at hand for you is not easy. No, it's not. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's like what uh, Sam said. I mean, like when you – when you're playing, I mean, you after you're done, you want to stay involved in the game most of the time, or a lot of guys do. Some guys want to, you know, cut that piece of their life out and move on, but I want to stay involved. Um, and so it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and so it's difficult, and there's lots of pieces and things that move constantly and and trying to, like you said, manage people. This is essentially what we're trying to do, and so um yeah it's tough i mean the thing is i always have to remember exactly why i even have a job and that's because there's 20 guys 19 right now in the dressing room that come to the rink every day put in work get on the bus get off the bus lay down in front of shots i mean they're the reason i have a job and they're the reason that I get to come to the rink every day and they're the reason that people want to come watch. Exactly. Um, so they're the people that deserve the lion's share of my time. Um, so the difficulty with the GM and coach job is making sure that they do get that lion's share of the time right. and I can delegate the, the management stuff um, to the people that also do a very good job in the organization like, like Sean and like Ross and, and the the other people behind the scenes that other people don't see that make the, make make me gear give me the ability to give these guys a lion's share of my time and make sure that we have video sessions and make sure that practices are run efficiently and that they're improving each week. So, yeah, that's the tough part is is managing my own time to make sure that I'm doing right by those guys. So some of some of your free time, it's not easy with COVID. Like, it's, it's even difficult to go to a movie theater nowadays, right? Mm. I used to be a huge movie guy, too. I oh, were you? Movies. What's, what's, your, what's, give me your number one favorite movie of all time. Sinister 2. Oh, yeah? I'm a horror movie guy. How are you? I love them. I love Star, all the Star Wars, too. <laughs> he was talking about Star Wars, uh, was that before yesterday's game? What's your favorite Star Wars movie? There's nine of them. Turn of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Which one's that you, for numbers? Oh, man. I don't even know the, that one's the six. numbers. No. I like, six. I, I just That's six. The well, it, one, it's actually th the, the third movie yeah. of the first series, but it's actually in sequence. It's the sixth chapter of the Star yeah. Wars saga. I'm, I'm so lost on everything. All the new stuff they bring out. Like, yeah, they're, I, they're so creative. I, I got my girlfriend's Disney Plus, and I'm watching The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm Listen, George Lucas, you know, George Lucas was far ahead of his time. If, if, if you watch George Lucas's documentary on YouTube, you'd be blown away of how innovative that man was and how much pressure he took on to create the Star Wars saga. Like, he literally, the pressure gave him a heart attack mm. because he was going to do something that no one else has ever done. Like, when you look at Star Wars, that was done in 1977. 
yeah. Right? I mean, the technology yeah. was, wasn't was even there. And from there, in the second movie, he actually funded the second movie himself. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He funded himself. It took a huge risk, but a huge reward. That's where he created LucasArts. I'd say it paid off. Right? <laughs> LucasArts. And then eventually, because because he, he ran the cycle of those nine movies, that's why, you know, he Disney took over. Mm-hmm. I mean, his... He's left behind an incredible yeah, legacy. Yeah. There's a great story about a, a movie series that you love, but the, the real story is is who George Lucas is. I mean, when what he created for us to watch, which is so magical. Sam, what's your favorite movie? Uh, I'm huge into comedy. Oh, yeah? So, um, so who's your favorite comedian? Bill Berg? Pete Davidson. <laughs> Pete Davidson? Yes. Fantastic. Island, eh? You like that one? I have it's not good. seen that yet. Oh, man. I'm, I want to. Oh, yeah? I just don't really want to pay for it on YouTube. <laughs> so. Michael Hook. But no. Piracy. Favorite comedy is definitely Step Brothers. I can watch that over oh, and over again. Oh, my God. Laugh crazy. so hard. But The Blind Side, that one, it's a that's touchy a good, one. That's a good movie. Probably one of my favorite movies. That's a good one, movie. Sure. Rogan, what's your favorite movie? I'm a big movie buff. Uh, my favorite movie is probably Saving Private Ryan. Love it. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. What, what reason? What's, what's the, the uh, reason behind it? I, I, I think the storytelling yeah, is, is fantastic. And just the, the, I think, and the first scene for people who don't experience war, um, like myself, I think that's about the closest representation that you get just by looking at a screen. Um, so, I just it's a, a amazing that you can put someone like myself in a position where you even get some visceral response to no question. Yeah, just watching something. Um, so, and the whole movie is just uh, every character is is is. I mean, uh, is just great. They have their own intricacies. It's all. It's, just fantastic it's amazing the work it takes to create a movie yeah you know it's and movies are stories and stories used to be told by family members that's where stories telling came from originally and then you know obviously as we get into the 30s and 40s with the silent movies and then we get into the and that there's a lot of bad movies out there over the years so when you find a really good one like what Brogan's talking about was Saving Private Ryan. Mine's actually a movie, I bet you none of you guys have ever seen. It's called Stealing Home. In fact, I named the boat, my, I named my boat after it. And I wear this chain because of it. Uh, it's, it's a movie with Mark Harmon and Jodie Foster, and it's a baseball movie. Uh, it's set in the 50s with a great soundtrack and a great story. Great story. And a lot of a lot of my movie interests are, are are dramatically different, but I love sports stories because, as athletes, you can relate to them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's a lot of cool stories out there in the world, and I think when you get someone that has you know as a writer, uh, one guy that I respect greatly is a guy like Sylvester Stallone. He and he had nothing when he first started, right? He even lost his dog for crying out loud when he first started, and uh, so you see those people that have success. It's not about the end product. It's the journey to get to that success. And I think that's what you can teach that to anyone, right? So tonight we've had a, a great session with uh, two of our leaders on the local South Shore Lumberjacks team, Ozzy King and Sam Brunton. And, of course, we've got the leader, the captain of the ship, Brogan Bailey, 
And and we're going to try to get Brogan or one of the coaches uh, in every once in a while just to keep you guys in order and keep the filter low, you know. Um, but the, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming in, and we want our fan base to really enjoy this season and uh, get to know you guys on a more personal level, and I think we've accomplished that tonight. So thanks so much for you guys coming in. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Dennis and Michael Woodworth on the weekly Woodcast, and we look forward to seeing the Lumberjacks this upcoming Friday night versus the Churro Bearcats. We'll talk to you soon.